in person and those who are joining us online. I never get tired of saying it's a thrill to be here and to be with you. We have some that are visiting us from near and far, as far away from as California and Texas, and some who are from nearer. Glad to have you with us, and we hope that our worship and lessons today will be an encouragement and a glory to God. It is part three of our four questions that Jesus asked that we are going to look at. And our question today is, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I tell you? It seems it would go without saying that if you hired someone to build your house and you gave them and went away and said, I'm coming back in a year and I hope the house will be done. And you come back in a year and see the house has been built for you. And it is nothing like the house that you gave the blueprints. And you ask the builder, I asked you to build the house that was on these blueprints, but this isn't the house. And the builder said, but I had a better idea of how to build your house, and I think you're going to like it. How would you feel if you spent your life savings on that house and didn't get what you wanted? Regardless of what the builder tells you, it was not what you wanted. Well, today's lesson is along those lines because Jesus built his church and he gave us the blueprints of exactly how he wanted it to be built. In the question, why do you call me Lord, Lord? In the Greek term, I'm glad that Mike made a stab at that this morning at the Lord's Supper and talking about the Greek and its pronunciation. I'm not afraid of making myself a fool when I go to try to pronounce Greek. Kurios. Kurios. And the meaning of it is supreme in, supreme in authority and controller. Master. Lord. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you call me your master? And yet you do not do what I tell you. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 through 24, Jesus, in teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, within the context of where we, where we put our priorities, do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, beginning in verse 19 of Matthew 6, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And to the point of all of this, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You only have one master. You can't split your time between it. You may try. You may ride the fence. But in reality, you're serving one or the other. As Jesus was nearing the end of his ministry, 
He gives the object lesson of washing the disciples' feet. We pick up the passage in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his armor garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you are right, for so I am. If then... Your, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So the teachings that Jesus gives as to what he had taught and what he expects of us are very plain for us to see. Or if we call him our Lord, our Kurios, our one who is supreme in authority, and our master, then we ought to do what he says. For he tells us in this passage in Luke chapter 6 that we ought not to be hearers only, but doers of it. In verse 49 of Luke 6, he says, But the one who hears and does not do them is like the man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Unlike the passage in Matthew, this one uses this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? But the one who hears and does not do them. James tells us plainly, James known as the Proverbs of the New Testament. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The scriptures aren't scant. John, in his later years, the, the Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 2, beginning verse 3, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Not hard to see that John, after all of those years of being with his Lord, a generation later, is still writing the same things that his master taught him. Our master taught us, and he expects us to do those things. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 28, What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. 
Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes believed him. Even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Jesus expected those then and today to do the things that he taught. Hearing and doing. What were some of the things that Jesus expected us to hear from his word and do? We may look at our worship. Paul wrote to the Colossians and talked about will worship. Those things which people thought, I think God will like these things. Maybe if we are severe to our bodies or we do this and do that, the things that are not commanded, but they will look good. Paul said that was will worship. In John chapter 4, beginning in verse 19, as Jesus is passing through Samaria, he comes to the woman at Jacob's well. We pick up the scene in verse 19 of John 4. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. When he said spirit and truth, it must be that our hearts are right, but it also must be in the way that God has prescribed for us in the New Testament to do. When Paul comes to Athens, he comes to the philosophers of the day, the Epicureans and the Stoics. And we find that his spirit has moved within him when he sees all of the idols completely throughout the city. And being moved in spirit... I wonder how long it took for Paul to come up with that, what I believe is one of the great messages. When he begins, he's standing in the midst of the Areopagus in verse 22 of Acts 17. Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Some of your versions may say superstitious, and it's the same word for religious and superstitious. For I pass along and observe the object of your worship. I, find, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown. This I proclaim to you. And Paul proceeds to tell them about this unknown God to them who had created the world and all that is in it. And as we come down to verse 30, don't overlook this verse. The times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For there was a time when, as Paul tells us, God would wink at that. God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. If we looked at the things of what we're hearing and doing, doing them the way that the Lord commands, we have what we call a pattern. And pattern isn't, isn't a very popular subject amongst some people in the religious circles because 
Well, if we, if we just close up the Bible and do things the way we would like to do, we don't have to follow that pattern. But we do have God's Word to guide us in that pattern. I think an interesting example is found in Exodus chapter 20. And it's right after the giving of the ten you ought to do as far as making altars. But it is interesting the way the words are to- told to us here. In Exodus chapter 20, beginning of verse 24, An altar of earth you shall make for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings. Your sheep, and I will come to you and bless you. If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build of it of hewn stones. For if you wield your tool on it, you profane it. But some would say, I could make a much more lovely altar if I could only fashion the stones into a beautiful work of art. Is that what God asked them? It certainly would be more beautiful, or more beautifuler, if you prefer. No. For God said, if you wield your tool on it, you profane it. Oh, we could make it much more lovely, couldn't we? We could do things that would be much more pleasing to one another. But God did not ask us to do those things. He was very specific on this. I believe you'll agree that Nadab and Abihu found out a little too late that God expected them to do the things he had prescribed in the way that he had prescribed it. In Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1, Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took a censer and put fire on it, in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said, Among those who are near me I will be sanctified, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Nadab and Abihu stand as an example that when God asks us to do something in a certain way, He expects us to do it. I believe if we went to Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament, we might find the same thing. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 5 is the writer of the book of Hebrews is talking about Jesus as the high priest. As he makes reference to the the old law, verse 5 of Hebrews 8, they serve a copy and shadow of the earthly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern. The Greek word is tupas. That was shown to you on the mountain. See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on their own minds. I believe we could make something much more according to the pattern. And it's interesting that word tupas is used by Paul, in its essence, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. As he writes to Timothy, amongst the last words that he was penned, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Follow the pattern. That same, it has that word hupas at the beginning of it, but it is the same root word that we find. In his first letter to Timothy, he writes in 1 Timothy 1.16, But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ, might, might, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example, that same word again, 
to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. An example, a pattern for us. A pattern not only for worship of the Lord, but walking in the way of the Lord. For as Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So Paul makes reference to at least two ways that we live, walking according to the flesh, walking according to the way of the Spirit. And he says that we should walk in the way of the Spirit. Not only that, he writes to the church in Ephesus that we ought to walk wisely. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Walk wisely. Very similar, he walks he tells us in Colossians 1.10, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. First Colossians, pardon me, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul sets forth that there is not only a way that we should worship, as Christ has written to us, but there's among the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples are found the very last words of Matthew chapter 28. We know it as the Great Commission. Jesus came to them, beginning in verse 18, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We find that they did exactly that as we come to the end of Acts chapter 2, that daily they met together. What did they study? The apostles' teaching. And where did the apostles get their teaching? We find that they got it from Christ himself. Not the traditions of men, but the teachings of Christ that are held to us today. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 is among the first letters that Paul writes. We believe 1 Thessalonians is the first. He writes in the last chapter, what we know of as the last chapter. We urge you, brothers, verse 14... Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Teaching the way of the Lord. As we look at that question that Jesus asks, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? It is not a question that is up for discussion. Is well, how's the weather today? How do you perceive it? But it is a direct question that hits us right between the eyes when we consider, as we call Lord our kurios, our Lord, 
our master, the one who is supreme authority in our lives. For if we have what Jesus wrote to us, why are we not doing it? I believe Jesus knew what the answer to that was. For if Jesus was their Lord, they would be doing what he asked them to do. But in fact, they were not serving him, they were serving someone else. Who are we serving this day? As we look at, we look at the church in the way that we worship. We look at the church in its organization. For there are many who are swaying from the pattern that we find in the New Testament and are saying, those were traditions of the day. Those were customs of the day. We think we can do better. We think we can wield that tool upon the stone and make it much more beautiful, much more able to influence our society. I wonder if that's what Nadab and Abihu thought when they approached offering a strange fire. All throughout the Bible we have seen those who have strayed from the word of God. Personally, as a nation. And perhaps we may shake our head and say, well, that's too bad. Well, there's nothing we can do for those people in antiquity. But there is something that we can do in our lives as we ask ourselves that question. Do I call Jesus my Lord and Master and do what he tells me to the best of my ability? Without excuse, without saying, you know, Jesus knows my heart. Well, yes, Jesus knows my heart. But does your heart know the Word of God? It's a question we must ask ourselves. For in that day of judgment, to which we make reference to so often, as we gather around the table, we proclaim his death till he comes again. And when he comes again, it will be the judgment day. Then we will be asked perhaps that same question. Why did you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I told you? For it starts with the very faith that we must have within ourselves. Not a faith that says, well, I, Jesus knows my heart. He knows that I'm sincere. There are many people that were sincere in the Bible, yet were lost. But in sincerity, we must ask ourselves, is the faith that we have is it the faith that is prescribed within Scripture? That faith that says, I do believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Remember that James says, even the demons believe, but they shudder, because they are demons. But in our faith, does that faith move us to do the things further that are prescribed for us? That which says that we are to confess Jesus as Lord. That which says we are to repent, which means to turn from the life that we are going and turn to the way of the Lord. And that thing which puts us into touch with the blood of Christ being baptized. Lord beneath, in that beautiful picture that 
Paul describes in Romans chapter 6 of being put beneath the watery grave and raised again to newness of life, washing away our sins as Paul was told there in Damascus. That which puts us in touch. Have you done what the Lord has said? Your master has said that you must do. And then walk in his steps with him as our guide and example. If not, this is the day to correct that in any way that you need to do. We stand ready to help in any way we can. Together we stand and sing. Christ.